Lord's Day 40 can be found on page 555 of the Book of Praise. The sixth commandment is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not murder. The church confesses, what does God require in the sixth commandment? I am not to dishonor, hate, injure, or kill my neighbor by thoughts, words, or gestures, gestures, and much less by deeds, whether personally or through another. Rather, I am to put away all desire of revenge. Moreover, I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself. Therefore, also the government bears the sword to prevent murder. But does this commandment speak only of killing? By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder, such as envy, hatred, anger, and desire of revenge, and that he regards all these as murder. Is it enough then that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? No, when God condemns envy, hatred, and anger, he commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to show patience, peace, gentleness, mercy, and friendliness toward him, to protect him from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we show others how much we value their life by the way that we treat them, both to their faces and behind their backs. The sin against the sixth commandment is the sin of giving less value to the lives of others than to our own lives. When we don't love our neighbor as ourselves, we see sin that ranges from torture and murder in one extreme, all the way to, to even treating someone nicely in an insincere and a manipulative way for selfish gains, treating a husband or, or wife as an object to fulfill your pleasures. In between these two extremes, one that even looks quite nice and the other that is very clearly horrible, we see many types of, many forms of sin against the sixth commandment involving hatred, scorn, desire for revenge, bullying, patronizing, in which a person values the lives of another person less than they value their own lives. So the question is, when someone meets you, what feeling do they get from you about how much you value their life? We just sang Psalm 8, you said that, you sang that God created them in a very high place with glorious honor. God arrayed them. When you meet somebody and you talk to them, do they get that from you? Do they see that you see them as created in God's image? Or do you treat others as inferior to you? 
Do you honor them as you like to be treated? When Christ Jesus is shining in and through you, no person in the world who meets you, whatever status, will ever hear or see or feel or think that you think you are more valuable than they are in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord Jesus told his followers to love their neighbors as themselves, and then he even extended that neighbor to the enemy. Matthew 5, verses 44 and 45 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. The sixth commandment makes us think about how much we really value the lives of the people we meet and interact with. Do you prejudge people based on their appearances? Do you give all people your time and attention? What message do you, you send to the people you meet? Does it reflect what God says about the value of that person? Brothers and sisters, by God's undeserved grace, we may know of something amazing. We may know of God's unconditional love. We may know about life in Jesus Christ that is completely free of all judgment and all condemnation. This was the blessing of paradise. And now it is the privilege of living with our covenant father in the redeemed life in Jesus Christ. And so God tells us to enjoy the work of Jesus Christ and to not murder. I preach to you the gospel of the sixth commandment under this theme. In Christ, we may abide in the life or in life that is permeated with self-sacrificial love. We'll see that Christ laid down his life for us. Christ removes us from death and Christ fills our life with love. Those, the theme and the, the points are taken from 1 John 3, verses 11 to 24. And the center of that passage that we read is in verse 16, 1 John 3, verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Jesus' obedience teaches us about what obedience to the sixth commandment looks like. He shows us what the sixth commandment is talking about by, by living in the complete opposite of murder. Jesus loved so much that he left the glory he had with the Father and emptied himself to take on human nature. Rather than ignore our need, he entered the cursed humanity that was under the burden of the law and he bore God's wrath against sin. Although the world did not recognize him, the world did not receive him, the world did not even want him, his disciples did not understand him, people only liked him when they could get something out of him, others became envious and hate, hated him, and many remained ignorant and dishonored him, 
The Lord Jesus did not become bitter. He did not respond in the same way. But he showed his love. He bore the shame and the punishment of God that we deserved for our sins. You see, brothers and sisters, the covenant people of God broke the sixth commandment in in every way as they conspired together against the anointed one. We saw that a little bit this morning, that the Jews were treating the Lord Jesus in John 8. They dishonored him. That was the beginning, and it went right to the point where they picked up stones to, to kill him. And eventually they did. They seized him. They mocked him. They handed him over to the Romans who beat him and who spit upon him. They degraded him. They dehumanized him and finally crucified him, although he was innocent. And as he hung on the cross, it almost looked like the enemies had triumphed over him. But 1 John 3 reveals the amazing truth. They didn't actually triumph over Jesus Christ. Jesus was not a victim. We read that. He laid down his life. Jesus suffered and died on a cross intentionally because of his love for his sheep. And even while he was hanging on the cross, his enemies were challenging him, come down from there and save yourself if you're the son of God. And he could have. He stayed on the cross because of his love for the very people who were showing such hatred toward him. He did not give in to hatred. And when they looked at the Lord Jesus Christ, when they saw him on the cross, or even as he lived his life, all they could see was love. And those who knew better knew that love was was self-sacrificial love. He laid down his life so that whoever believes in him would not have to perish, but would have everlasting life. Ephesians Chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, which was displayed on the wall as you walked in the afternoon, this afternoon, it, it uses, that those verses use Christ's work as the definition of love. Do you want to know what love is? Do you want to know the opposite of the sixth commandment? Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering, and sacrifice to God. Love in the scripture is a love that costs something. It includes a sacrifice. For the Lord Jesus to satisfy the justice of God, it was necessary to sacrifice his own life. And the apostle Paul tells us to to walk in love in the same way that Christ loved us. That is the positive declaration of the truth of the sixth commandment. We see that in the Lord Jesus Christ. You shall not murder means you shall lay down your life for the brothers, just as Jesus laid down his life for us. Like Christ shall love your neighbor as yourself. Like our Savior, 
You shall see the value of their life created in the image of God, even, even as enemies created in the image of God. And he paid attention to them and he reached out to them. Sometimes we just see other people around us sort of as servants to, to serve us. We go in a store, we see uniforms. Something's not quite right, we feel offended. We forget the image of God. We forget the people. The sixth commandment is really a, a beautiful declaration of the gospel. The transforming work of the Holy Spirit that we see in all our relationships. The work of our Lord Jesus Christ who perfectly obeyed the sixth commandment makes it clear also that not all killing, that not all giving up of life is sinful. We see that as well as we, we look at the love that the Lord displayed when he gave up his life. First of all, we see the Lord God in heaven he did not sin against the sixth commandment when he carried out his punishment against the sin of mankind. When he poured out his righteous and just anger against the sins of the world that he had placed on the shoulders of his son. There is a righteous judgment. The government soared and the carrying out of God's justice within its boundaries or or in just war with another country that's clearly not being forbidden in the sixth commandment. The Lord Jesus also did not sin against the sixth commandment when he gave his life for the sins of others. You see, brothers and sisters, the command to love is more, com more powerful than the command to live. Life is sacred, but it is not more sacred than God. The martyrs who gave their life for their faith understood this. Soldiers who give their lives to protect the, the freedom of their country understand this. Every time you give of yourself to show love to another, you show that you understand this. But to live is Christ. And if Christ calls us to die for him, then we will know that to die is gain. Such men and women did not belittle the value of their lives. They, they valued the lives of others more than, than their own. They have acted nobly. They have acted in, within the, the context of the immense love that God has shown to us. The sixth commandment teaches us to live that way. Jesus laid down his life for us. And now we ought to lay down our lives for others because we are set free from our fear of death. We see that in our second point and we could see that in the text in verse 14. The passage that we read in 1 John makes connections, makes a connection between life and love and between death and hatred. The good news, the passage we read, is that Christ removes us from death so that John can say that we know that we have passed out of death into life. 
And he's talking about something that's happening right here in the world. And so we see that the word death in this context is not just talking about the day when we die. It's referring to something that you can abide in. John even says that at one point. No longer abide in death. John is talking about the the culture of death. Or to be even more clear, he's talking about the culture of hatred and envy that is a result of selfishness and pride. The Holy Spirit wants people to understand that murder is a lot more than just the illegitimate killing of another person. That murder includes the motives and the causes behind the decision to kill someone. You see that in our text when he contrasts the Lord's call to love one another with the behavior of Cain, who was of the evil one we read and murdered his brother in verse 12. We read that in verse 12. John goes further and then asks the question in the text he says in verse 12, and why did he murder him? And the answer has to do with with this culture of death that those who are enslaved by the evil one have to live in. The Holy Spirit says that he recognized that his brother loved God and that his own deeds were evil. Selfishness and pride made Cain undermine and devalue the worth of his brother's life. When we pass out of death into life, we leave behind a culture of revenge, fear, longing for escape, anger, Envy, bloodthirstiness, thrill-seeking, violence. And then we come into restoration of love. The interdependence of creation. We leave death in Christ and we come into life and we lose nothing. When God commands us not to murder, he's telling us to to stay away from from that culture of death, everything that is so useless, so harmful. And then it it makes us ask the question, so, so why do people murder? It's because they have forgotten that God made man in his own image and in his likeness in order to praise and glorify him. It is because they do not value what God values. They despise the wisdom of God who made each person in his image. And then we continue to ask questions. Well, why, why do people feel they need to bully a person in our school or bully someone in our workplace? Well, they say that really a bully is a very weak and fearful person who believes that he or she can gain a a feeling of self-worth by hurting and manipulating others. What a blessing it is that the Lord shows you in his word that you are worth so much in the eyes of our Lord that he sent his son to die for you. If you have God's approval, 
You do not need the approval of men to be content. So you can stop putting others down. You don't need to call names. You don't need to start rumors so that you look better. You don't need to set people up against each other and and try to control your social situation. You have been removed from the culture of death. You're put in life. You have value in God's eyes. What brings people to hate others? Often it is because they have been bullied or taken advantage of. The pride and self, feeling of self-esteem eventually grows to, to resent the way that others have treated them. What a blessing, what a blessing it is to know Jesus Christ, to remove your mind from that death thinking and to see his unconditional love and acceptance that you find in him. You, you can't find it in no other person or, or no other place in the world. We, we look to Jesus Christ and we see love. We see his eyes looking down upon us in love. Sometimes people hate others because they are actually deluded. They're arrogant. They think that there are differences in the, the worth or the value of people in God's eyes and they base this on their age. Sometimes they hate little babies in the womb. Sometimes they, they hate elderly people. Or they make these decisions based on religion or race or social position. And they get proud and racist and unkind. But when we are removed from that death, and we're brought to life in Christ, we realize, brothers and sisters, that everything comes down to our greatest need. You look around and and you see that the biggest problem in society, the biggest need that we have is our sinfulness. Now we need the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. How can we hate like the world hates based on age or religion or race or social position, when we know that we are all equally sinners before God, need to repent, who need the blood of Jesus Christ. Sometimes people who abide in death hate others because they are envious. But when we are in Christ, we we realize how, how ridiculous it is to be envious of the riches of others when we have eternal riches in Christ Jesus. We have treasures that he has kept for us in heaven that moth and rust cannot destroy. We realize that it is absolutely pointless to be envious of a few temporary things here on earth. Sometimes people show that they value their own lives very little. When they put themselves in unnecessary danger just, just for the thrill. Such people too, they, they're, they're part of that, that culture of death. They give no attention to their task 
and their calling of, of being made in God's image here on the earth. But when we realize that Christ gave his blood for your life so that you can glorify God with, with everything that you do, we can see that he rescued your life so that you could use it to serve him and to serve your neighbor. And his purpose for saving you was not to, to see what kind of selfish highs you can get through endangering your own life. You see that in the catechism that's mentioned as well. Not to endanger your own life. In Christ, we can use that energy, that courage, that desire to give yourself up. You can use it for the glory of God in the adventure of standing up for the faith against the odds and, and standing up in a cult, counter-cultural kingdom that is centered on sacrificial love. Brothers and sisters, we see as we look at this, as we go through the, the different aspects of the sixth commandment, that the culture of death, hatred, selfishness, and pride, and, and all the other tools that the evil one uses that lead us to dishonor and hate and injure or kill our neighbors, they simply cannot satisfy our desires. They certainly do not allow us to enjoy our redeemed life in Jesus Christ. God tells us very clearly in 1 John 3, verse 15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And so the truth sets us free. The truth reveals again what we need to see. It shows to us that we actually live in a culture of death. We can smell the serpent's foul breath all around us in the attitudes and the decisions of those who do not know Jesus Christ. We can see how easily it is to, to fall into the same thinking, to imitate the same reactions. This afternoon we may hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, as his people in life, you do not need to murder. You already have life and love and everything else in Christ. If you persist in, in hurting another person, even if you are loving them for yourself rather than for themselves, if you are holding a grudge, if you refuse to forgive, if you are jealous and envious, and you do not love someone else because you have decided that they are worth less than you. If you have that habit of looking down your nose at anybody around you in your pride with the attitude that woe to anyone who, who dares speak up against me, there's still hope. There's hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You do not have to live enslaved in that way of thinking. You can be set free from that vicious cycle of sorrow and bitterness and frustration. And you confess those sins as the sixth commandment shines in your life. 
and you see in yourself those, those sins, you, you can confess that. You can seek reconciliation. You can be humble. And you can celebrate the joy of life in Jesus Christ. When you are in Christ, brothers and sisters, you never want to go back to the, that culture of death. That is what the sixth commandment announces to you. We have redeemed life. He fills our life with love. Verse 17 speaks of God's love abiding in you. Rather than abiding in death, the contrast here in the text, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ experiences God's love abiding in them. Now the sacrificial love Self-sacrificial love that, that you see out there in him becomes a part of who you are when God's love abides in you. And suddenly, brothers and sisters, you, your world becomes permeated with the joyful celebration of God's unconditional, gracious love. And it truly changes who you are. The message we heard from the beginning, says John in verse 11, that message permeates our hearts. And not only do we, do we recognize that we don't want anything to do with hatred and envy and anger anymore, but we also desire to love our neighbor as ourselves in all patience and peace and gentleness and mercy and friendliness. We know that Christ has laid down his life for us. That's the value that Christ puts on your life. Each one of your lives. He laid down his life for you. And you know that. And you go out from here. You understand how much you are worth in, in God's eyes and, and how much your neighbor is worth in God's eyes. In Acts 20 verse 28 Speaking to the elders, he tells the elders, Christ bought those sheep with his own blood. Love them. And the resounding declaration of all of scriptures, the whole gospel, is that you are valuable in God's eyes. For not only did he knit you together in your mother's womb so that you would be exactly who you are as his image bearer, and not just you, but the person beside you and, and the person beside that. And not only did he give you a place of honor in creation as we sang in Psalm 8, but he also sent his son into the world with the promise that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. It's a beautiful way to live your life, brothers and sisters. It's a beautiful way to see the people that you meet in your daily life. Sometimes you think it's just a voice talking to you through the, the Tim Hortons drive-through. You forget it's a person. A person helping you in the grocery store, a person you work beside, the person who comes in to help, the person you pass in the street. By the grace of God, Jesus Christ, 
We live with the guarantee of eternal life because of the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We don't have to be fearful to show compassion. We don't have to be afraid to even give up our life for someone else. We don't have to worry about our social standing or what others think about us, other people around us. We're set free from all of that. God the Father calls us his precious children in his son Jesus Christ. We live in a life permeated with unconditional love. The sixth commandment urges you to, to see that, to be humble, to love self-sacrificially. Yes, be the Christian that God molded you to be in Christ Jesus' victory. See, brothers and sisters, then you can also recognize that you're not actually in the center of the universe. Christ Jesus is in the center of the universe. This merciful king has done everything for you and in your place. He forgives the sins of all who believe in him and we have the privilege of humbly following him. And what does that look like? Verse 17 and 18, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother's need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us love, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So we walk around with that knowledge in our minds. The love of Christ within us begins to overflow. And brothers and sisters, we have many opportunities, very practical things. The church is involved with in the communion of saints, reaching out to those in our community, practical things. And when we see them, we often say, look at the things that that we are doing. But remember, brothers and sisters, that the we of our congregation is not just the people around you, but it includes you. Use your gifts and talents to, to open your heart and open your hand to those around you. They can see a little bit of that peace, that joy, and that confidence that you have in Christ. You shall not murder because you are a redeemed, noble people who abide in his word. Like we saw this morning, you will never see death. Amen.